I want to share about aliveness together in family. In family. Um, one of the things that is such a strong part of our lives is family. Um, I'm sure you have encountered this question uh, around as you move. How is family? Anybody ever had that question? I see some smiles, some nods. Yeah? It's, a, it's a question we encounter from time to time. How is family? And then what comes to mind? Sometimes we, are, we respond with a word. Or sometimes we respond with a number of words. But mostly people say, good, good. Or, or something along those lines. How is family? Who is family? Each of us knows where to turn um, when that question is offered. Each of us knows... Uh, each of us can pause and, 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 and get to the heart of how is family. We are all shaped and impacted by the families that are part of our lives. Meg J is a clinical psychologist and an author who a couple of years ago wrote a wonderful book called Defining Decade. Why your 20s matter and how to make the most of them now. Just from the title, anyone in their 20s, that's a good book to, to, to get and to read. Uh, I was seeing someone say, even if you're in your 30s and you don't know what happened to your 20s, get that book also. It will be so helpful. Even me, while I was looking at it again, as I was thinking about this, someone I thought, goodness, this book has some gold in it, right? So after a long time as a counselor and working with young adults, she distilled her experience into... A, a few things um, that really matter in this decade. And she also uh, realized that the 20s are not just an incidental season of life. In fact, you're laying the foundation for your adulthood. Something she claims in that book is claim your adulthood. Just be very deliberate um, in, in, in some of these areas and, and pay attention to them. And so she, she explores three huge topics, building your identity, who you are, and even the career journey, that kind of stuff. Then she talks about finding your future family. She knows that's important. And then finally, investing in your mental and physical growth. She goes ahead to provide helpful frameworks of how to navigate those and set a good foundation for your 20s. I am drawn to something she says when it comes to finding your future family. Um, she says it this way, you did not get a chance to pick your family of origin, but you get to pick your future family. It hit me so hard because of the truth of it in very simple terms. You do not get to pick your family of origin. You found yourself there. But when it comes to your future family, you picked it. You picked it. And so here we are reflecting on this conversation of family, um, I think that tells us we are at different points. Uh, we find ourselves at different stages in family. Some of us here, when the phrase family is offered, all there is is the family of origin. You're a son or a daughter. You see your parents and you see your siblings. How is family? That's where your mind goes. A number of us here have their family of origin and have had the privilege of picking their future families and they have, they're either on a journey to what's going there or they've stepped there fully and they're building their families. Uh, maybe children are there. Um, 
I wanted to know, are there any of us here who've also had the privilege of stepping into grandparenthood? We need to reach out to some elders and make them a part of church, yeah? Right? Yeah, so when family is mentioned, we are all involved, we are all somewhere. So uh, do not switch off from this conversation. I think what will be shared uh, is we'll have opportunities for you to respond to family as you're experiencing it right now. And that's my hope and desire because family shapes so much of who we are. What would it look like for us to also realize that we shape so much of what family is and we have an opportunity to contribute. Uh, so how is family? I decided to put in uh, my family portrait, right? Because mostly when I visit your homes, most people will have that old, old picture. Do not uh, screenshot and then use it against me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's, yeah. My family of origin and the family, yeah. I have picked or I'm building right now. Nothing shapes us more than our families. Family uh, hands to us not just our biology and our DNA, not just our biological heritage, but also our biographical heritage, who we are, the story of our lives. Yeah? Our, sometimes the narratives, the lenses we used to see life are so shaped by family, um, right? Uh, it gives us a foundational way of meeting the world, and that's why it matters. At the same time, um, Family also matters to God because of how deeply and profoundly it shapes us. Surely, God must consider this as a space important to him. And yes, it matters to God. In fact, in, in fact, scripture reveals how often when God set out to do something remarkable in history and in the world, he stepped way back, way far in history. It didn't have to happen immediately. But he went to the very simple beginning of a family. Think about human history as told in, by, by the scriptures. God just said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And, there were, and male and female, he created them. He brought the woman to the man. It's not good for man to be alone. Often we imagine, oh, God created marriage. But God created the whole dynamic of relationship. There, at that moment, God created family, and human history began. Later on, when God was thinking about set, setting uh, forth his redemptive enterprise for humanity, he thought of bringing together a nation of people through whom he was going to reveal himself to the rest of the nations. What does he do? He doesn't set up a country immediately, draws out its boundaries, you know, brings people in. He goes way back, taps into the shoulder of a man called Abraham and his wife Sarah. Even they have no child, but they are a family with hopes and aspiration. Journeys with them for a couple of decades. They get a son called Isaac. Isaac gets Esau and Jacob. Jacob gets 12 sons and, uh, and several other, and, and, and some daughters in there. And the rest of the Old Testament is based on those 12 tribes of Israel, how God moves within that nation. And when we read the Old Testament, and if there's anything that speaks to us about God dealing with Israel, it is through that one family that God used to reveal himself to us. 
Later on in the journey of the Old Testament, we read uh, uh, there's a story tucked in somewhere there, a story of a woman called Ruth who's just living her life but ends up being married to a man called Boaz. And they get a son called Obed, who is the grandfather of King David. Right? And it was David to whom God said, I will establish your throne forever. And in Matthew, we read the genealogy of Jesus. David is key. All the genealogies of Jesus. And ultimately, the biggest move of God, when Jesus was going to come into this world, uh, God taps Mary, a young lady who's betrothed to a man called Joseph. They're about to start a family. And maybe God envisioned that these two rookies who have no experience at all, that is where I'm going to entrust my son. That is where I'm going to entrust one of the greatest moves I have in history, which is very comforting because sometimes nobody uh, steps into family thinking, oh, oh, I've had so much experience, I'm going to ace it, right? Uh, when we go to, when we sit in weddings, we are told, uh, you, you know, the couple is there. They do their vows, they're given a marriage certificate. Marriage is the one context where you're certified, then you go and told, now go study for what you <laughs> have been certified for, Right? Yeah, and, and so Mary and Joseph, a family, that's where God entrusts Jesus, and they raised Jesus, and we are gathered here today because of what Jesus did. So God has a way of even working through families. What if we see our families today, not just incidental, but as very important places where God works? We may think we randomly get picked into our family of origin, and also think when we are very careful in picking the family of the future, we, are, we have a role in all of it. But what I want you to also see is that God's hand is always in it. So it is accurate to say this. God picks for you the family you get to be part of. Your family of origin, it's easy to see how God picked you. You had nothing to do. And even the future family that you will pick or you have picked once you picked it, God affirmed that something significant has happened here and blessed that. So we may not feature in major publications or trace our lineage to some royalty, but I believe that every, when, for every family that exists, God acknowledges with great concern that a significant thing has come to life. We are not just... Uh, randomly in families in as much as they get to affect us big time. So I came across a short audio clip, uh, a podcast I was listening to just uh, explaining how we get to be here. And I want us to take a couple of minutes to listen, to hear it out. Uh, so the person share, it's a, it's a, it's a guided reflection. Um, she will guide us along, invite us to rest, maybe to close our eyes if you're okay. But just to see the family journey that has happened all along until we are here, and then we will continue. So let's hear that. Hi. My name is Jamie Kim, and I'm a coach at Reboot. In my work with Carl Bernheit at NLP Marin, I learned to use a visualization that helped me through what was a challenging time. That time was about me growing into something bigger than what I thought I was ready for. I hope this visualization can help you to feel this support and encouragement that is here for you to step into your bigger shoes. Enjoy.
close your eyes. And in your own way, find your breath. And start to really invite the darkness behind your eyelids. Now imagine yourself standing in a dark space. Feel the coolness of the space against your skin. And now a spotlight is shining on you. And on the edges of this light, you start to notice the floor. It's a gymnasium floor. Well, you're standing in a school gymnasium. And the light expands and you notice in front of you are bleachers. And sitting on the first row of those bleachers is your mother and your father. And they are looking at you. Take them in. And as the light expands further, you notice that there are people sitting behind your mother and father. Behind your mother is her mother and father. Behind your father is his mother and father. And now behind your mother's mother is her mother and father. Behind your mother's father is his mother and father. And the same goes for your dad's line. Behind his mother is his mother and father. Behind his father is his mother and father. And behind them too. Mother, father, mother, father, mother, father, mother, father, mother, father, mother, father, mother, father. And it just keeps going. As the light expands, you notice the bleachers just keep going. And you see more and more faces of your ancestors. It goes so high that you can no longer make out their faces anymore. And they are all looking down at you. In total awe. My goodness. Look at them. Look at our great, great, great grandchild. What a sight. How amazing. And as you stand there now, I want you to please begin introducing yourself, perhaps starting with your name, and share with them who you are, how you spend your life, what you're dedicated to, what you stand for, and who you do it all for. Do so now. And when you feel complete, in whatever way feels right to you, it may be a bow, 
and maybe a nod of the head, maybe that you kneel. In whatever way, I want you to make a physical gesture in your mind that displays your respect and appreciation towards all of these people who have come before you. And as you rise and you look ahead and you see these faces, they are now returning that gesture in unison towards you, showing you respect and appreciation. The spotlight goes out. You're standing once again in darkness. You feel the cool air. And when you're ready, open your eyes. We can open our eyes. You know the way Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, begins with these words, Since then we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You begin to see you have arrived at this moment, not just by your own efforts, but you have been, uh, you have been handed over through a lot of history. Um, yeah, so I think it just says, um, family has shaped us so much. And even at this point, we have an opportunity to contribute to the families that come after us. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, you know, that line going back, mother, father, mother, father, mother, father. How many do you think they get to be? Right? So there's this author who says, um, her name is Alison Schultz. We get so much from those in our family tree that came before us in 12 generations. Spanning over 400 years, we have around 4,000 ancestors. Think about that. When we think about what all these folks have lived through, the loves, the losses, joys, pain, misfortunes, and lowercase and uppercase T traumas, there's a lot in the epigenetic lineage there as well. It has an effect on our attachment styles, the way in which we receive nourishment and love, and our deeply held beliefs about our worth, our health, all which affect our ability to thrive in this lifetime that is ours. As humans alive in this current generation, part of our work is to heal that, is to heal what trailed behind us, so that our uh, is to heal that um, is to heal what trailed behind us, so that our uh, us, that our relatives couldn't, so that we leave a new trail for those who come after us. In other words, we have been shaped deeply by our families, but we have an opportunity to contribute and to shape the families that are happening around us and even to leave something for the future.
So beloved friends, as we journey on for the rest of this year, I would like to invite us as a community to lean into God's agenda for this all too important space we find ourselves in, the space of family, as you're experiencing right now. That for all the aspirations we have and the efforts we will put into things this year, the family space will be one of those spaces that we will be very intentional with. Having said that, what does that, what would it look like to value and tend to this space with utmost intentionality? There's a passage where Paul writes the following words, Ephesians 5.33 into Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Each of you, however, should love his wife as himself and a wife should respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. When I had that passage, I just thought, wow, it presents this idea of family as a context where relationships are at play. You know, it begins by saying husbands and wives. And for that, he says, there should be love and respect. Then it talks about children to parents. And for that, it says there should be obedience and honor. Then it talks about parents to children. And we are instructed that there, there should be presence, discipline, and instruction in the ways of the Lord. In other, way, in other words, um, family is a place of mutual love and respect, a place of mutual cooperation and honor, and a place of gentle nurture and guidance and growing in God. Relationships are at play, and we should tend and nurture those relationships to health. And I think that um, that is our takeaway. So uh, uh, when I thought about family, I, I remembered a few days ago I was taking a walk and I came across a nest that had fallen from, it, from its tree, right? And I thought about the bird that worked so hard to build this nest. It must have taken incredible effort and time then unfortunately it just fell after it had finished. I think it may have lived, maybe, I don't know whether it had lived, there's no sign. But why did it do it? So that maybe later it could lay some eggs and, and, and have a safe place to hatch them and so that they could, you know, come to life and, 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 and one day emerge from this place and face the world. And that's what family is. Um, I think family is... Is, is a refuge and a sanctuary where we find ourselves in and we are given a foundation through which we can face life. From this text of Paul, it says it's a place where there are relationships at play. And perhaps what we should do is to think that we all have a role in creating this refuge, this nest, where, where we can fully thrive. Um, the thing about uh, family also is that uh, it's not made up of perfect people. Right? It's, it's easy to look around society and see people all proper, but get to families and you'll realize, oh, that's the one place that reminds us how imperfect we are. Uh, it brings up all our, you know, all our shortcomings. So it's a place um, where these, you know, 
where we should provide a, a safe space for people to come as they are, imperfect as they are, and, 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 and grow from there. We tend to have a bias towards uh, uh, moving things to where they are proper and right. It's almost like somewhere when we were growing up, we were told we have to do it well. We have to do it well. But we don't do well at being human. We are all imperfect beings. And, and if we have to do it well, then we are always faced with our shortcomings and we got to struggle with that. But family is the place that does a good job of showing us how imperfect we can be. But it is also a place, on the other hand, where we can experience real love and real grace that tells us it's not about being perfect. It's really about being loving people that can give us this nest, a safe place to just be imperfect, but to continuously grow in love. If in your family you're trying to get people to be perfect, you won't make it. But in your family, if you're trying to cultivate and tend to those relationships so that they can grow in love, you'll discover family can, can teach us that uh, imperfect people can love truly and can love genuinely. The authors Dan Siegel and another one called Tina Brayson put out a book called Showing The Power of Showing Up. It's really a book about parenting. Um, and in it they say, the parents who end up creating the healthiest foundation for their children are surprisingly not perfect parents. And it's true. No perfect parents exist. But they are the parents who are constantly repairing the relationship every time rapture occurs. Repairing the relationship every time rapture occurs. And I think we can extend that to our life in families. Um, in other words, family is primarily a place of relationship, a place of sustaining the health of those relationships in it. And these relationships from time to time will experience rapture. Rapture means tearing. Yeah? Uh, they won't be right every time there will be raptures. If there's one thing um, you can know that you're meant to do is be good at repair. What if we moved and stepped into our family spaces knowing that the, what we need to do is to be really good at repair, at repair when raptures occur. I love how that sounds because in one way it gives us the real picture of the family space, a place made up of imperfect people who are simply trying to do their best and they will fail us from time to time. And on the other hand, it tells us that some of the most important things to carry with us in that space are simple skills like humility, where when we have failed to admit it or when we are told that we let someone down to admit it, humility, a concern for the other and a genuine care, a desire to create a safe space where we can fail and recover, a capacity to extend each other grace, a capacity to keep forgiving, given. Respect enough to say sorry for that rapture. It has listed for us in Ephesians 5. All we can do in this space of family, one good thing that will really help is develop the skill of repairing when raptures happen. And here's what I want you to know. Um, a consistently repaired relationship is the healthiest expression of relationship. 
a consistently repaired relationship is the best expression of a healthy relationship. You know, in our desire to do things right and well, sometimes we think we have to present this picture of a good relationship. But let me tell you what a good relationship looks like. It is full of patches and dents, you know? Because of all the work they have done. That is how you know a good and healthy relationship. When you look at your family relationships, how much repair is going on? How much repair are you leaning into? It takes work. Perhaps as we move into this year, thinking about how to come alive in our families, what would it look like if we choose to just do good, be good at repairing and not to quit because we have left, let each other down, but to keep repairing and see what happens. And since family deeply impacts our experience of life, in the same way when we tend to this space, when we commit to cultivate health, we are bound to pass on the gift of health to each other from which we will all step forward, forth and meet the world in a healthier way. So your presence matters greatly in your family. Take all that has been handed to you from generations past. Make something better out of it. Hand something better to the family moment you're in and see what happens with the grace of God, with the grace of God. And to say aliveness together in families is to say that we as a church, we want to champion and empower you and help you to do that and pray that that happens, that we can be alive together in family. And part of it is just caring for one another, checking on them and continuing that question. How is family? Right? Yeah, and just going a little further to just find out how it is. Let's pray. Thank you, God, because when you imagine us at our best, you placed us in a family. When you imagine us at our best, you always look at us in the context of the family we are in. Family matters to you. So we begin by saying thank you for our families, just as they are, just as they have come to us with all their goodness and sometimes with all their failures, and to know that they have shaped us greatly. And Lord, today we also want to acknowledge that we have a role to play now in tending to those relationships and beginning to shape the story of those families so help us, God. Today, as we gather with my brothers and sisters, we commit our families to you. Where there is pain and heart and strife, bring healing, forgiveness, repair. Most importantly, where we are the ones who need to step forward in acts of repair, give us the courage and the humility to do so. We pray that our families will be places of grace and kindness and compassion where we will choose to love each other fiercely and truly and genuinely, not just to evaluate one another with standards of perfection. So help us, God, in that space. And as we journey along into this year, we pray that our families will be spaces where we see increased health. Thank you, God. Meet us at the journey of our families 
May our hopes and aspirations for our families come to be. May you, by your spirit and grace and strength and presence, guide us in our families. So we commit them to you and we pray that your blessing will be upon every family. Spiritually, emotionally, materially, meet us there. Cover and protect our families. Give us the strength and courage to step there as healers and as repairers in your strength. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen.